The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. The march has begun every day. We rise like the sun. We fight till the battle is won. Can you hear the footsteps? Listen, Good evening. This is another edition of On Another Level. I'm your host and producer, Sharon Hinson. Um, always an amazing time. We're actually live. Don't know if we're going to get to any phone calls, but you will have questions, so get a pen and a paper. We're going to talk about fathers, the importance of fatherhood, especially the importance of black fathers, daddy and me, here on On Another Level. And so contrary to popular opinion, Black fathers are actually more engaged with their children than any other demographic. That's right. So I started off this program with something that's very supportive, encouraging, positive about <coughs> black men, because there's too many people that are sp spreading the negativity at too many people of all sorts of races and colors and trying to kill our kings. That's right. I call them kings. I'm a queen. Kings. We're all royalty. That's what's up. So today we're going to talk about Daddy and Me, and we actually have a father and a son here presenting this wonderful literacy program. And the program that's going to be coming up, um, the first annual Family Fun Day and Resource Fair, Saturday, June 25th, 11 to 3, fun, games, music, story time, arts and crafts, raffles, performances, food. Oh, we got food now. I didn't know we had food. At the Martini Shell, Memorial Shell Park, 1015 Truman Park, <laughs> Truman Packway and Hyde Pack. For those of you who are from here, from Hyde Pack. And so I want to welcome my guest, um, parent, grandparent, teacher, athlete, and communicator, Abdullah Alif Muhammad. I'm not going to give you the AKA. He has 35 <laughs> plus years of experience in general, technical, vocational, and adult education settings from preschool to higher education. His educational roles include classroom teacher, Mathematics staff developer, curriculum developer, academic coordinator, dean, director of technical vocation, education, technology integration specialist, adjunct professor, instructional coach, consultant, and a forever student of life. Abdul Alif is a graduate of Syracuse University with a BS, New Hampshire College with an MS, and has pursued continuing education at Syracuse University School of Education, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, University of Massachusetts, Boston, Harvard University, Ford Fellowship, and currently the Muslim American Logic Institute. Welcome. Salam alaikum. So that's, that's the father. That's the father, okay? So we want the father, and it's not the son and the Holy Ghost. We got the father. <laughs> so Wadi Muhammad, this is one of his sons, one of his children, one of his seed. Okay, now. What just happened? I just hit this thing. He serves as a corporate advisor for Amazon Business. 
In addition, Wadi serves as CEO of BioClean Boston, a cleaning and disinfection services company for small business and commercial property owners in the greater Boston area. Previously, Wadi spent the last decade, he looks really young when you see him, y'all, in various business development roles, selling enterprise software to Fortune 500 companies. Wadi has served as chair of the board for Greater Grove Hall Main Streets, deputy field director for a mayoral campaign in Boston. You know I'm going to ask you which one, right? <laughs> and treasurer for Daddy and Me Literacy Program. Prior to that, Wadi worked at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, leading faith-based youth and African-American public relations and stakeholder engagements. Wadi was born and raised in Boston and graduated from UMass Boston with a degree in business management. Welcome, my brothers, my brothers. Salam alaikum. So, you know, I, I'm so glad to have y'all here. I did a program years and years ago with um, all men of different decades, literally going from teenage up to 90s. Wow. And so there were three questions that I asked them. One is, what is a man? When did you know or when did you believe you became a man? <laughs> and then the third one was, what's the difference between your generation of men and these generations? Mm. I thought it was going to be one show. It ended up being three. That's, that's all? <laughs> I, only because I kept it to three. And of course, the women, I did it with the women. That was four. Because we talk more. We use more words, right? But so there was this amazing, and, and the youngest one, who is usually the most talkative one, was quiet. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I have never been in a circle of men like this. And so he said, I just wanted to listen. So I... I grew up around men because you all are just easy to get along with. That's right. I said it. Y'all, it's easy to get along with. Like you're very, you know, simple, like boom, boom, boom. This is what it is. I don't want to hear it. Let's make it happen. Even with shopping, you know, we go, we want, is it baby blue? Is it powder blue? Is it sky blue? Is it ocean blue? You're like, I want a blue shirt. Boom. That's it. We're going to get it. So it just was easier growing up, you know, my uncles, my grandfather, my father, my brothers. And it was just very... Um, matter of fact, it's like, this is what it is, this is what it isn't. Stop playing, let's keep it moving. Unfortunately, it's kind of still is like that. And I have amazing queens in my life, and you do too, your wife. I serve on the board of Southwest Boston CDC with your beautiful wife. Um, so you know, this is a family up in here. We're talking about families, right? So the history, which is really, really depressing, you and I, <clears throat> I'm gonna call you out because I know you're older. You look younger than black, because black don't crack. But I can, when we were coming up, most parents had both of their, most black kids had, had both of their parents up through the 70s. And then crack in governmental policies and um, the Vietnam War, addictions, you know, there's so many things that went to just break brothers down. Mass incarceration, and there's two and a half million people incarcerated, actually incarcerated in the United States, land of the free, home of the brave, not um, more than any industrialized country in this world. And then that's not even talking about the black men who are involved in the criminal justice system. We're talking about the brothers incarcerated. So I, I congratulate you two being here and mm -hmm. surviving a system that is here to still kill, still kill and destroy mm -hmm. from you, mm -hmm. from birth, even before you, even before you make it out. It's trying to kill you. And I, I read something yesterday, and this is going to be graphic, but we're grownups, right? Um, that there's so many chemicals in the water and in the food that's actually lowering the sperm count. Mm. Now, it didn't have the demographic break, breakdown of what that was, but you know, I, I don't, not now, nor have I ever had sperm. 
So clearly we're talking about <laughs> males. All right. I, you know, I, mm. this climate you've got to be, mm. right? So I know the fact that you have made it this far at your ages is a miracle. Mm. It's a miracle. My father got assassinated at 35. He didn't. Um, and so all this stuff that we're dealing with, high blood pressure, mm. prostate cancer, COVID like came on the top of everything else was trying to kill y'all. Mm -hmm. You know, just being dark skinned brothers going out in the street and being questioned for hum humanity. Like, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir, right? Mm -hmm. What are you doing here? Why are you here, boy? I mean, there's some of them, they're still kind of blatant about that stuff too. You know, gunning people down, just indiscriminately. Post George Floyd, post, you know, Eric Garner, there's still, there's people that want to eliminate you. And then, and I'm going to say it, people ain't going to like it, it's too bad. I am very cognizant of the images that are being spread out mm -hmm. over mass media that don't have black, and, black women and men together. Mm -hmm. They don't. They're pairing you up with everybody else. They're pairing us up with everybody else. So there's all these forces. And yet, despite that, you guys put together a program of daddy and me. So Big Daddy, <laughs> tell me how you started this because there was another son that was actually an inspiration for this. So right. can you tell us how that started? And then also why do you know, because you're the next generation, bro, you know, <laughs> keep up and tell us about this program. That's really what we want to cover, both of those. That's, that's, that's a big question. Uh, first, let, let me say, uh, Wadi, the next generation is carrying on the work of his brother. Um, <clears throat> I just had an influence on them trying to be a father and be in the house. I didn't have a father around. Mm. So that was kind of like, for me, a motivation to want to be around because I didn't have it. Uh, and I wanted to, <clears throat> I'm getting choked up now. I wanted to be a difference and make a difference. But I didn't start this idea of this particular daddy and me, but the importance of education. Because as you were saying, this design, conscious design to do things, it's always been around to not let people get educated to the truth, right. to the reality. The influences have been negative. If your mother was a lawyer and your father was a lawyer, the probability that you won't be a lawyer. If they were in the medical field, there's a high probability you right. might follow in their footsteps. Right. If your mother and your father were crack dealers, were stick-up artists, were, were that type, you might follow in those same kind of footsteps. So I'm saying about the power of influence. And like when we were coming up, <clears throat> there wasn't a father. There might have been an uncle or big brother or some male or the neighbor next door. That's right. That would uncle, check you. Right. Yeah. And so, so we, the community vibe, the teamwork thing. Um, the village. The village. How do we get it back? And it's important. It's very, very Now tell important. us how many kids you have. Too many. <laughs> Too many to start with. But uh, we, uh, we have, uh, we have, we have seven children. Mm -hmm. uh, two sets of twins, um, and uh, uh, I just helped in the process. Uh, she a little bit, she, a little bit, a little bit. She was the first caregiver, the first feeder, the first attention giver, and uh, giving the manners and, and all that kind of stuff uh, came from the household. Although <laughs> I have to tell you, though, my husband used to sing to my stomach and talk to my stomach. Ah. And when our daughter was born. When she heard his voice, she stopped crying. She recognized it. Yes. yes. And so it actually, and I, and I say that because it actually, the teaching and the, and the environment and the nurturing starts 
mm-hmm. really starts with the mother before she's even pregnant. Yes. And then that continued energy. Um, and so there's a lot of women that don't understand what fertile ground is supposed to look mm-hmm. like and what's, what it's supposed to be like and how you're mm-hmm. supposed to take care of yourself mm-hmm. because we are the ground that you plant the seed in to be able to create these beautiful um, right. human beings, mm-hmm. yeah. human beings, <laughs> doing, human beings doing. Uh, my grandmother had 17 kids. Woo, 17. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> yes. All of my grandparents were southerners. <laughs> That was the entertainment they had back then. You had radio. You work six days a week. There's not much left to do when you. You know what? You had your your laborers, right? You had to. (laughs) If you were down south and you were on the farm, that's what you. That's what you. It's real. And so, but and and there's only one set of twins, and they were fraternal. Mm. But every generation on both sides of my family were twins. My brothers are identical twins. Ah. And so. but I do remember consciously, because I had my daughter when I was much older, um, being conscious of the environment. Um, I personally think the DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration mm-hmm. Agency, should just use pregnant women to smell drugs because I had this heightened supernatural <laughs> sense of smell. I'm serious. I could smell if people were sick, if they had been drinking, if they were funky. I mean, and, and it went away after I you know, gave birth, but it was like this superhero kind of... Oh my God. I, I must say, you must be related to my wife. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pregnancy thing, bro. It's, it, you get this heightened sense of taste. Yeah. And I think it's a survival mechanism. Literally, yeah. I could smell when people were sick. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. Um, mm. But as a, and I remember my husband saying um, that once we gave birth to our daughter, he says, you know what? I don't want to seem insensitive, but it's kind of better that she's outside because before it was just you and her. Mm. And then now, you know, I, I can enjoy it. I can get in on it, right? <laughs> and so he did the whole thing, you know, right. chest, um, to chest. chest to chest, skin to skin, uh. walking around, <laughs> patting and rubbing the back yeah. and singing Frankie Beverly and Maze forever. <laughs> Join pain. I was like, oh my God, if you sing that song one more time. Um, but it was just the bonding that I've seen black men have with their children, especially men with their daughters. If the man... <clears throat> I'm not talking about these brothers here. What were a dog, mm. Mm. very promiscuous and whatever with women, they definitely don't, they're the hardest on their girls. They're mm. like, oh no, I remember what it was like when mm. I was a boy. So I'm not doing that. And then the other thing in terms of representation, I'm, I'm a founder and executive director of Black Teachers Matter. Research tells you mm-hmm. if black students, black children see a black teacher by grade three, they're 40% more likely to graduate from high school and to go to college. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. age three, and that's the grade three, and that's the same grade that if they don't have uh, reading skills, literate skills, the system starts building prisons right. and starts building jail cells. So that's a critical Damn. moment. And there's legislation now to get universal uh, pre-K in Massachusetts. That seems like a no-brainer to me. Like, why is there right. an argument? Put the money there. Yeah. But you guys came up with this daddy and me literacy program so so you picked up on the same thing even before the statistics so why did you decide to do this and and what's it like being a daddy he told us what it's like being a daddy but what's it like him being your daddy and then you being a daddy (laughs) well i I should i should start by saying as we were speaking about my mom and my dad and and it it definitely does take a village especially with with seven of us growing up on intervale street um but 
what they instilled us as a as a teacher, lifelong teacher, <laughs> and and as a mom who's a social worker, thirty plus years at ABCD. I think God bless her. So I think she's retiring. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. this fall. But what they instilled in us in terms of one the love of community, love of family, and faith. I think kind of grounded us in a lot of the work that, that we, we're, mm. we've done and we will we'll continue to do. Um, and with that, the Daddy and, Lee, Daddy and Me Literacy Program was started by my late brother, Marzouk Muhammad in 2018 um, for two, two main reasons. One, to instill the love of reading amongst our black and brown children, and then two, to build fel fellowship amongst black and brown dads. Um, so uh, we've been going, going strong since then, but I think you know, one of the things that keeps it going is the theme of village, right? And the dads who, who volunteer their time um, is because they want to have an opportunity to build with other fathers of color mm -hmm. around literacy, but also in terms, just like you were talking about, in terms of just having that positive influence in, in their life. And also, you know, our call to action is, is fathers, uncles, grandpas, <laughs> right, cousins, <laughs> because in some households in our communities, there isn't two. Right. Mm -hmm. So 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 recognizing that where they're single moms and making sure they know this is still a space for them to be able to bring their children so they can they can see um, positive images around them. And so um, hopefully that answered answered your question. Give you right. a little background. So what was it like him being your dad? <laughs> I didn't forget that question. I still got you. Well, we got how much time we got? <laughs> no. um, big shoes. Big shoes, as a form of big, they call him Big Al, Big yeah. Al Newton. And, um, but I think in terms of just what my father instilled in me in terms of, I think, again, both my parents and grounding us in just faith and community. Um, and those, those things that kind of live on. I think also probably if, you, if me being long-winded or, or cracking a joke and no one's laughing, <laughs> You know where I get that from. The daddy that's, jokes. That's where I might get that from. But, um, but I think all is, all is possible because of our, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't, wasn't mm -hmm. for my father. And when folks um, you know, talk about my father as a, as a, as a community leader, as, as, a, as a mentor, as a community advocate, um, I mean, we, we got, to see that, got to see that firsthand growing up. So I think when you, when you talk about daddy and me and all the other things my brothers and siblings have, have worked on and will work on, um, is because we were fortunate to have the right foundation, the right image of, of two strong black women and, and male um, leading a family. And I think that's really, really important. I'd so, like to add too, if I could ahead, put in there, sure. um, that be, because of our circumstances and situation, there are, are, are families without fathers in them and mothers and their children are uh, encouraged to participate. So I want to, I'm glad you said that because I want to segue to one thing that's kind of controversial and we don't have another sister here <laughs> that's going to bring this up so I'll do it. There are spaces, circles that I'm in and sometimes I feel like I have to fight for the participation of black men mm. and, and, and so I hear I don't need no man to do it, I can do it all and you know and you see me doing my neck and everything because you know. <laughs> And so I literally have had to fight and hurt. Why do we need a man in the circle? Why do you? And it's like, I, mm. huh? Mm -hmm. Like, how are we having this conversation? And I've been, now remember the Million Man March was, what, 20 years ago, something like that? Yeah, that's a long one. Million yeah. Man March. I'm the one that was very more politically astute, but I knew the importance of my husband and men being in that space. There's a mm -hmm. different energy. There's a different 
vibe. It's a different rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed home instead of going to D.C. And my husband told me that when they got there and they were all men, that there was this brotherhood. And once one woman showed up, all of a sudden there was this chest up and this posturing and, you know, the competition thing happened. But initially, um, when they were coming out of the buses and and falling onto the promenade or whatever that thing was, um, that the brothers were coming in, they were pushing up against the Jersey barriers. And so one of the brothers came on the stage, he says, can everybody take two steps back? And he said, you saw the waves of people just agreeing and, and, and doing that. And then when it came to donating, they were garbage bags of money. Mm-hmm. And, and there was no threat of stealing it or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. If the money fell, they just put it back in there. And so there was this camaraderie. But once one woman showed up, the whole rhythm changed. And I've been in circles where um, I've heard men singing, like in the church, mm-hmm. that timber and that vibration is just different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's powerful and it's just different. And women, it's different. Then you get the two together, it's different. And so my theory, and I'm sure I'm right, <laughs> is the reason why this world tries so hard to keep black men, men and women apart is because we're so powerful individually. Yeah. For us to come together in unity, you can't break that. And then when you start having children, you can't break that. Yeah, and with all of the 400 years plus of what we've dealt with and we're still winning everything and still coming up on top of everything and that's individually, I'd be scared too. Mm-hmm. I'd be terrified. <laughs> Except for the fact that we're such godly people, so grounded in compassion and humanity. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this, and I'm gonna say this to the camera. I want y'all to hear me. If black people I'm talking black people, African-Americans, descendants of slaves, were such savages. If we were so mean and violent and savage, there would be no white people left on the planet. Mm -hmm. Did you hear me? And because we're not, we keep this hands up, don't shoot and getting shot. I'm going to leave it like that. Mm. We got to take a break. This is Daddy and Me Literacy Program here on BNN TV on another level. Don't go anywhere because we need to give you some more information that builds a nation, our nation. We'll be right back. Years ago, I interviewed Kwesi Nfume, then the president of the NAACP. As between the presence of white racism and the absence of black fathers, I asked him, which poses the bigger threat to the black community? Without missing a beat, he said, the absence of black fathers. It was President Barack Obama who said, we all know these statistics, that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. The Journal of Research on Adolescence confirms that even after controlling for varying levels of household income, kids in father-absent homes are more likely to end up in jail. And kids who never had a father in the house are the most likely to wind up behind bars. In 1960, 5% of America's children entered the world without a mother and father married to each other. By 1980, it was 18%. By 2000, it had risen to 33%. And 15 years later, the number reached 41%. For blacks, Even during slavery, when marriage for slaves was illegal, 
black children were more likely than today to be raised by both their mother and father. Economist Walter Williams has written that, according to census data from 1890 to 1940, a black child was more likely to grow up with married parents than a white child. For blacks, out-of-wedlock births have gone from 25% in 1965 to 73% in 2015. For whites, from less than 5% to over 25%, and for Hispanics, out-of-wedlock births have risen to 53%. What happened to fathers? The answer is found in a basic law of economics. If you subsidize undesirable behavior, you will get more undesirable behavior. In 1949, the nation's poverty rate was 34%. By 1965, it was cut in half to 17%, all before President Lyndon Johnson's so-called War on Poverty. But after that war began in 1965, poverty began to flatline. From 1965 until now, the government has spent over $20 trillion to fight poverty. The poverty rate has remained unchanged, but the relationship between poor men and women has changed dramatically. That's because our generous welfare system allows women, in effect, to marry the government. And this makes it all too easy for men to abandon their traditional moral and financial responsibilities. Psychologists call such dependency learned helplessness. How do we know that the welfare state creates disincentives that hurt the very people we're trying to help? They tell us. In 1985, the Los Angeles Times asked both the poor and the non-poor whether poor women often have children to get additional benefits. Most of the non-poor respondents said no. However, 64% of poor respondents said yes. Now, who do you think is in a better position to know? Tupac Shakur, the late rapper, once said, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline, I'd have more confidence. He admitted he began running with gangs because he wanted the things a father gives to a child, especially to a boy, structure and protection. Your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can, Shakur said. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. In my book, Dear Father, Dear Son, I write about my rough, tough World War II Marine Staff Sergeant Dad. Born in the Jim Crow South of Athens, Georgia, he was 14 at the start of the Great Depression. Growing up, I watched my father work two full-time jobs as a janitor. He also cooked for a rich family on the weekends and somehow managed to go to night school to get his GED. When I was 10, my father opened a small restaurant that he ran until he retired in his mid-80s. He was never angry or bitter and insisted that today's America was very different from the world of racial segregation and limited opportunity in which he grew up. Hard work wins, he told me and my brothers. You get out of life what you put into it. You can't control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before blaming other people, go to the nearest mirror and ask yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? This advice shaped my life. Fathers matter. Until we have a government policy that makes that its first priority, nothing will change. I'm Larry Elder for Prager University. <clears throat> well, he said in this little segment, which poses a bigger threat to black communities, racism 
or the absence of fathers. And he drew on a sea of supposedly official data and his own upbringing. Um, and he showed by his own illustration with his dad just how important black fathers are in turning boys into responsible and happy men and how their absence has had a tra tragic impact on millions of um, black Americans. Tupac Shakur, the late rapper, I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline. I'd have more confidence. He admitted he began running with gangs because he wanted the things a father gives to a child, especially to a boy, structure and protection. He goes on to say, your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. That's Tupac Shakur. So let's get back to what we were talking about before the break. When women, and for this discussion, black women, I don't need no man. Do you have to have a man to really be able to teach a boy to be a man? That's a good question. And, yeah, it is. And to, 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 I figured it was. To, to speak <laughs> to that, I mean, you need a yin and a yang, a balance. And nature is created with a positive and a negative. Duality exists everywhere. Now, in terms of the end product, nothing's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. But you got to start out with the source. Uh, positive, negative charge it neutralizes each other. I mean, you know, up, down. I mean, heaven and earth create water. We cannot exist without water. Nothing living can exist without water. So it's kind of like we, we need one another. Uh, now, what turns it into being a man? Or it's about being responsible. Is something about the guy supposed to be the breadwinner? No, 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 no. It's a team effort. Can we do this together to make it better for all of us? Okay, so this is the kumbaya thing he's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We, so we let me do this. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But let's be real, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm very liberated. I'm very strong black woman. But this is some stuff I want y'all to do. Mm -hmm. Like I, you, you all are built to, you know, upper body strength to be able to carry stuff. You pick things up and you put things down. And we're built so that we can carry babies with the hips and everything. Right. And we pick that up and we put that down, right? right? I, yes, I can pick up the trash. Yes, I can carry my own bags. Yes, I can open my own doors, but I like when y'all do it. Yes, I'm just yes. saying. Okay. I'm just old school like that. Me too. I, I, I like it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Give a man a job, let him do that. And I've watched, I've watched <laughs> brothers step up into it. Mm. and really step up to the level of expectations where they really can fulfill that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I get that. I mean, I, my father had such a, has still had such a profound effect on me mm -hmm. that that's what really made me an educator. He was, he was murdered when I was in the ninth grade. Mm. And because of him, I, I stayed in a horrific school. I stayed in that school and graduated with honors. Mm. And it was because of his influence. And with honors, my, you said. Huh? With honors. Of course. Yes. Top five percentile. Yes, Stop playing. <laughs> I wasn't, he, he, my father said, I didn't have no dummies. I ain't raising no dummies, okay? <laughs> and we are more afraid of him than we are anybody else, right? Like a godly fear, like a reverence, a respectful right. kind of a, a fear. And so, you know, what he, and I watched my parents. I never heard my father disrespect my mother. Mm -hmm. Never. And I'm sure they had arguments. Mm -hmm. I never heard my mother disrespect my father ever. And they were like oil and water. The two of them were just like, 
Right. Like my father would tell me, you can do whatever you put your mind to. And my mother was like, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. So I was like, can you kind of get together <laughs> the two of y'all? Because I'm trying to respect both of y'all. Right. So I, I get it. Right. But to me, and I'm just saying this, that to me, having um, that male influence and that because you all do look at di different things. Um, my husband has a totally different relationship with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make it any... Um, stronger or weaker it's just different <laughs> and so you know this stuff that the two of them are really goofy like they watch cartoons i would never kiss myself watching <laughs> but she needs that balance and because of that i've seen her have a healthier self-image about herself mm -hmm. the way she carries herself the way she even relates to males mm -hmm. like she doesn't um she doesn't put up with the foolishness. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't because I had young men around me at Northeastern when I was teaching, all good looking, all spiritually grounded, all educated, right. all athletic, all in good shape, all believed in a higher power. Right. And they loved my daughter unconditionally and she didn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. And they protected her. They provided for her. They looked out for her. Mm -hmm. And so now as she's been looking for her king, it's like she's got a standard above and beyond her dad. It's like, I'm not taking this, I'm not taking that, mm -hmm. I'm not taking that. But she's never had to do something other than just being herself right. and being right. accepted by men. So what does that do? I mean, daddies are important to, to their sons, but they're also important to their daughters. So the can you speak to that in terms of I, I, literacy well, and being that role model? Well, well literacy, one, is... is um, you gotta understand, first of all, education was illegal, and it was the reason That's why. That's right. All right. It was designed to keep you down. Environment influences, controlling that keeps one down. Now, what you're saying is how do we influence to lift people up? Right? I have a, a, a partner who, uh, he copyrighted, uh, he called it uh, Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, something, lift every voice and sing. Mm -hmm. And it's like we all have a light inside mm -hmm. and we got to let it shine and what what nurtures and what gives it that opportunity to shine and become brighter and we bring those lights together then we get much brighter now what you're saying is how do we get your daughter we got to get the the men folk to lift up the standards high you got to lift up buddy this is just like you playing in the seated heat in the seated heat you're running against the best you could come in dead last yeah. in the seated heat yeah. and have a better time than anybody else in the whole meet. But because it was the seated heat and you run against the best, yeah. I mean, this the situation. But how did you, because I, being a Muslim, because I was a Muslim as a child, huh. that's, I mean. Now, when you say Muslim, now, it means just one who submits his will to the will of the creator. Okay, but let's, in terms of body of organized religion, my father and I went to the mosque in Interville Street. Yes, and then I didn't like anybody or anything that would separate me from my dad. I just was mm -hmm. like, no, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, no, anybody separates me from my dad. No. And I'm sure that contributed to me not being a Muslim. <laughs> I did it. I'm serious. I'm being honest. See the I, influence? The I told influence. Mr. Dunn, I said, you know, I, 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 I still have Muslims in my family. Salam alaikum. You know, I'm like, alhamdulillah, you know. But for me, that was early childhood. That was like a uh-uh. Um, and so the influence, I don't think, I don't know if young men and women are really thinking um, about procreation or reproduction as importantly as we did. Because they're, it's sort of like, it's thrown in their face. Our kids are over-sexualized in an early, mm -hmm. even when you look at the, 
the, the books that are in schools. Mm -hmm. There's stuff in there that I would never have seen in a classroom and I wouldn't be teaching my child, although it may help some other child. Right, by design now, a lot of this stuff is by design. And I mean, speaking to kind of by design, I mean, thinking of Daddy and Me literacy program is to create that space by design where they can see and be reinforced with those, the positive images of, of, of black males. Thinking of um, th this painting that my father had, uh, I think, in, in his office, uh, teach me from your future. And there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a kid crawling or, or doing something. Reading a book. Reading a book, book, sorry, reading a book. Um, my brother, Marzuk, who started Daddy Daddy Me Literacy Program, had that same, same photo. So thinking about, you know, if you know my dad, he's going to give you all these different types of analogies and you ask him a straight... He's a teacher. You know, a yes or no uh, uh, question and he'll go... So he'll give that analogy about kind of almost like photosynthesis, talking about the plant and the soil and is it getting water, is it getting mm. sun? So back to what I said in terms of what we got from my mom and my dad in terms of what they instilled in us, right? The love of community, love of faith and education. So at that foundation, I think creating that environment mm -hmm. and, and wanting to... We've been blessed and fortunate to share that environment with other families and other dads. So hopefully this can be a space for them to foster that environment so they, they can blossom and bloom as well. Let's talk about space. Zoom, COVID and Zoom mm. um, highlighted how there is such a lack of studying space in the home, mm -hmm. like a designated area where you can just go read. Right. And I remember um, places and spaces where I could go, like either go with a book yeah. Um, and so I, I consciously would create those spaces for my daughter, who's an avid reader. Mm. And, you know, having um, no distractions from television, mm -hmm. having no distractions from uh, the telephone mm -hmm. or social media, and just focusing and actually um, at a very early age, mm -hmm. uh, books, there are books all over the place. And I made sure that books looked like us. Mm -hmm. It looked like a lot of... Um, it was a diversity of representation in paintings mm -hmm. and artwork. Mm -hmm. so, there, so the whole uh, home was about promoting education and mm -hmm. literacy mm -hmm. and activity mm -hmm. in that and, and the interaction of that. Mm -hmm. So I had books where you could literally, there was a book, my daughter loved Cheerios, I don't know why, I thought it was that. <laughs> for, but we, I literally bought a book where she could learn how to count and put the Cheerios mm -hmm. in there. So as an educator, you and I are very interactive. This is where I know you from. Right. And so that's, I've seen you teach your classes and, and we're very engaged because we're, you know, yeah. we want people to think. It's like, just because I'm your professor doesn't mean I know everything. Nobody right. knows everything about anything. If you don't agree with me, then bring your data and we're gonna talk about right. that. And so I had a home like that <clears throat> mm -hmm. and I teach like that. But when people join the Daddy and Me program, how do they, how do, do, they, do they have to become a member? Do they get a membership? Um, you have this event that's happening. Um, June yes. uh, 25th. June 25th. June 25th in the Pakway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh about that, that accent. But it's Saturday, June 25th from 11 to 3, Martini Memorial Shell Park and 1015 Truman Parkway. It's this, it looks like the shell that's down on the... Um, Charles River. The That's Charles River, it's a smaller version of that and not quite as fantastic, but, and, but it's pretty open. Yeah. It's, a, it's a park area, there's parks and across the street. Tell us what that day is about and how people can support you and, and what you're looking for to accomplish. No, definitely. So one of the, the goals with having the, the family day is, is going to create a safe, positive space for, for, for families of color to be able to engage around fun, entertainment, enrichment. So there'll be arts and crafts, 
STEM table. <laughs> um, we'll have storytellers. Um, mm -hmm. One of our partners uh, is going to be doing canoeing with the kids on the water, performers, uh, food, raffles, giveaways, soccer. So really thinking about um, the whole body and experience. So we wanted to be able to create that space. So that was goal one. Two is obviously raise awareness. We've only been around for four years. As you mentioned, we started in person at the Hawthorne Community Youth Center. That was short-lived, only a year, and then the pandemic happened. So for about two, two and a half years, we've been virtual. Uh, and so this is another kind of us going back to in-person. We're going to be starting the fall at the Roxbury Library um, every mm -hmm. third, third Saturday. Um, so this is an opportunity to kind of introduce us to the community as the well. The Roxbury Library is in Nubian Square. Nubian Square, yeah. And Siddiqui Cambone is trying to get it renamed Nubian Library. So if you're wondering, uh -huh. That is the Dudley Square Roxbury Nubian Library. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, so the event is from, a, is from 11 to 3. We have a lot of great partners who are going to be helping us put it on. Read, read Boston, uh, Southwest CDC, uh, Southwest Boston CDC. Black Teachers Matter. Yeah, Black Teachers Matter, yeah. Naponza River, Watershed Association, the list goes on and on. Um, so it's going to be from 11 to 3. Um, we're, really, we're really trying to get the word out and get as many community uh, folks there, families um, as well. Um, and then obviously my father's going to be there in person as well, leading our, <laughs> our STEM table and activities with my sister. So that sh should be a lot of fun. Call to actions in terms of how, if, you, if you're able to support, we're always appreciative of in-kind donations, um, but also volunteers to help with the, the setup and, and the breakdown. So if you just reach out to us via our website, I know I'm sure they've probably Go ahead. posted Talk it. Talk about it. We'll pull it up. Okay. Um, the website. The website is daddyandmeboston.com. There you can actually RSVP for the event. There's additional information if you want to donate. And actually, this, one of our first partners was Frugal Bookstore. So one of the, the, the goals with us is we want to build our children's libraries uh, with specifically diverse authors and local authors. So one of our first partners was Frugal Bookstores. Um, and supporting them. And so when you come out on, on Saturday, you'll get to meet some of these different authors and storytellers. And um, we, we really look forward to reading with you and, and having fun. Be a fun day. Give the number again. The phone number? Yes. 617-898-8913 uh, is the phone number. The website is daddyandmeboston.com. We're also on Facebook at Daddy and Me Boston, Instagram, Daddy and Me Boston, at Daddy and Me Boston as well. So Thank you for that. And I will, Lord, inshallah, will uh -huh. be there. Lord willing. Uh -huh. That's what that means, inshallah, Lord willing. See, you got to learn stuff up That's in here. Saying. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. You diversified. You, I, I'm just like, saying, yeah. you know. Um, Can I say something before you go uh, Absolutely. On? And, and, and you were talking about it before Wadi was talking more about the program. What you were doing with your daughter was a conscious effort to make a difference. You were being a good mother, a Thank good you. teacher, a good person. Thank you. And we got to do that as a community. Uh, in relationships that we build with one another, positive relationships can allow us to begin to do those kind of things. And I yeah. think the other thing is not to, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to my elders now. Don't be afraid to speak up <laughs> because there's wisdom that we have. And there's an African proverb that says, when you lose an elder, you lose a library. Right. And so, you know, I don't want what we have, what we learn, the experiences that we have and the lessons that we have to go the way of the special cornbread recipe. You know, and it goes in the coffin with Auntie, you know, Nunu. And it's like, come on, man, because... <laughs> You're laughing, but you know what I'm saying is yeah. right. Yes, it is. Although there was one person that had a recipe to something and she could take it with her. But that was, <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. But, um, 
you know, I just remember like my dad was so influential and he was like God to me. Mm -hmm. He could say something to me and I just didn't question it. And mm -hmm. my, my Nana was the same way. Yes, she yes, showed yes. me that I had wings and then she showed me how to use them. Mm -hmm. And once you, it's like, once you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, it's not going back in. No. I don't care what you say. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you, you know, you teach like that, I teach like that. Mm -hmm. And so God will show us the greatness in someone that they don't even necessarily see. Mm -hmm. And so we see things and, and, and not, want to say anything because I've heard elders say oh no I'm not getting into all that I didn't raise my kids I'm not yeah, yeah. but I've been on buses I remember being on a bus it was a crowded bus and this young man had two kids and snotting and crying and the little boy was snotting and crying the little girl was sitting on daddy's lap and she was cool she was like hey, I'm cool <laughs> right. you know stop crying I'm cool I, I got the catbird seat <laughs> and and but you could see the pressure that the father was feeling because everyone in the bus was like you know shut them kids up yeah. why don't you and so he started to snap a little bit at the little boy and he was saying like stop acting like a baby I said he is a baby mm. yo bruh I know this is really embarrassing and I'm like like not trying to give you a hard time let me take her, you take him. She could sit next to me and I distracted her for a minute right. while he calmed him down. I said, here's some, cause he kind of snotty up in here. Here's some napkins, you know. <laughs> Get your kid, you know. But that, right. that wisdom that we used to always give when we're in the neighborhood, when we're part of the village, is go bring that baby over there, right. cute little baby. I'll take right. care of him. Right. Don't worry, go to the store, I got you. That's missing because people are not talking to each other anymore. And and that's not cool. That sense of neighborhood has kept us alive. Yeah. That, that kind of, you know, my grandmother gave me this black stuff when I had a cold. I still don't know what's in that right, stuff. Right. But once it you worked, had that right. stuff, you didn't have a cold for two years. <laughs> it was like, whatever's in it, it worked, you know. And so that, that, that mother wit is what we used to call it, mother to pass wit. it down. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm asking my elders, and the elders, yeah, grandparents are kind of younger than they used to be. But I'm asking my elders to actually um, pass it down. And they don't have to be blood related because we are blood. We have to create an environment to do what you're talking about doing right. because it made a difference. And it did. It was interesting when you talked about grandmas. <clears throat> there was a time that we lived in a grandma environment. Yes. Because whatever she said, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, my grandmother would say things to me that would take years for me to figure out, but she was soft and caring and loving and could cook, and could yes, cook and, and give the most fantastic hugs. Yes, I mean, those things are missing. How life giving, like, yeah, life, life giving, life giving, nurturing. So, so give mm. me some life giving hugs from the two generations of fathers. Do you have a son? I have a daughter, four-year-old. So doing the hair thing, you can really relate to. <laughs> no, I was I was watching that video when you were playing it because I mean I've watched a lot of YouTube he needs videos. Help. He needs help. Yeah, I need help, <laughs> and I still haven't figured it out. So, but one of our favorite books is is called Hair Love. Um, so that also brought me back thinking about that book that she, she loves, and that's why she wants me to do with her hair. That's why I'm watching YouTube videos, and I'm a work in progress. So we're still working. <laughs> You'll get it together. I'll get it together. So as a father, what is some fatherly advice that you want to pass to the next generation? Both of you. I wanna, we've got like four minutes left. I was, uh, that's, the, that's a heavy question. Is to, uh, as, as Wadia said earlier, is to believe in self and work to improve self and to work, believe in family and work to improve family and believe in community and work to improve community. And how do we do that? I mean, it's easier said than done, mm -hmm. but how do we work to make those kind of things mm -hmm. happen? I mean, not by talking, because talking and doing are two different things. Yeah. 
That's true. And what do you? I would say two things. I think one. To younger fathers. To, to younger fathers. Um, being present it, now it is not, it's, it's, it's not good enough. It's, it's being present but being engaged mm -hmm. as well. Um, the, the, the second thing I would, I would say is be that example that you, you want to see in them, specifically thinking about community service, community building, the work you want to see done in the community. You know, take, take the lead and, and show by example for your kids mm -hmm. the next generation. And so being there, and not just in body, but being there. Mm -hmm. Because there are fathers that showed up, you know, back in the day, they'd go to work, they'd come in, but the interaction wasn't necessarily yeah. happening with their kids because it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to provide, this is what mm -hmm. I'm doing, I'm tired. Right. You know, what do you want, you know? <laughs> my, my father was like, he was, sometimes I wish he wasn't like so engaged because um, he wouldn't let us watch any more than an hour of television. Mm -hmm. And even within that hour, there were certain things that we couldn't watch. Mm -hmm. And then if we wanted to watch more, it had to be educational. Then he would come in and ask us questions. We were like, oh my God, this is my father. How do I get that him? sounds familiar. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and I remember, then you get the influence of outside. And I remember some of the neighborhood kids. And I was like, how did you get that? They go, we have an allowance. I was like, an allowance? What's that? Well, you know, you do stuff around the house and you get paid some money. I was like, really? And I went to my father, I was like, daddy, daddy, can I have an allowance? He's like, what's that? You know, you do stuff around the house, you get paid. I said, I allow you to eat my food. I allow you to stay in my house. I'll allow you to shine my shoes and you might get a quarter. I was like, Keep your eye But I, you know, and he had us out there, my brothers and I, seven and nine years old, selling Christmas trees on Blue Avenue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was like, um, we got minutes. He said, um, I'm gonna give you 30% and you buy what you want. I said, but dad, you know, it's a gift, it's a present. You're not supposed to have to work for that. He said, ain't nobody gonna give you nothing. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to work for it on your own. And if you see a white man coming in our house with a red bag, he coming to take something. He ain't coming to bring you nothing. <laughs> and I work too hard for you to think some white man is bringing you these gifts. I pay, I'm Santa, I paid for these gifts. I'm more. And so there was Realist. always this realism. We were forbidden to um, pledge allegiance to the flag and that was my dad. So he mm -hmm. set the parameters and he didn't back up off of it. Right. Cause you know, we kids, we're like, well, mommy said, yeah, we couldn't do that. Right. And so I appreciate that your mommy said and your daddy said <laughs> so that you can pass down to your mommy and your daddy and you could pass down. And it's been an honor. It's been wonderful. Say the number one more time about this event. June 25th, 11 to 3 at um, 1015 Truman Parkway. Park. In, in Hyde Park. Park uh, the car. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And Thank you blessings. promise to bring us back. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And you got to take videos because we want to come back and talk about the success of it because it's a long term program. Brother Wadi, Brother Alif, Salam Alaikum. Thank you so much for being here this evening with us. This is on another level. Take care of yourself and each other. God bless. Because the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., for some reason, has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life. Marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest, biggest in the United States Congress. He had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. The march has begun every day. Rise like the sun, we fight till the battle is won. Can you hear the footsteps? Listen, cause we're coming like a gang on the street, so you better start running. It's time for some action now. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, 
you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.